0: Well, in our text now, Psalm 37, we read, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land and verily shalt thou be fed. Let me just insert there. You read the Bible a lot of times, verily, or verily, verily, you'd see Jesus say, verily, verily. It just means truly, truly. And when you see a verily, just understand the word is truly, but it means, hey, count on it. Count on it. Truly, truly. God's behind that. So, again, trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily, Verily shalt be fed. Thou shalt be fed. Verse 4, delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Uh, Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Well, let's have a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you for what you did in our fish fry and cake auction yesterday. But Lord, now we're looking forward to what you're going to do in this coming week, but also in this message right now, Lord. The biggest waste of time in this auditorium today is that if your Holy Spirit doesn't uh, speak in my heart and speak through me and speak to all hearts, opening the understanding of each person and helping each one by thy spirit, to see what you want today, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Remember as a little guy uh, growing up, and maybe some of the older guys, I don't know if they do this to young younger guys, but I, I just remember as, as a little guy growing up, you know, you have all the guys in the neighborhood are there, and wherever you live, and just different friends and all that. You get together, and decide to go going to play ball. And so they have the two oldest guys, or the two best players, whatever kind of ball you're playing. They begin to choose teams, if you're playing softball you know they throw the bat out there and then you go up like that, and the one that gets it on top, he's the winner, so he gets to choose first. And I always wonder why, what's the big deal about choosing first? Uh, Because then you don't have to take the last guy standing, (laughs) okay? And so. we, we remember what that was like, but uh, we, we would do that, get together and to choose up sides. Uh, and, and then if you are that guy, if you're younger, if you're the younger, you're the smaller guy, you're going to be the last guy chosen. And, and that doesn't really feel good, but you're the last guy chosen and you know it's going to happen. But you want to play. Figuring it's going to be fun. You know, play with the big guys. And, hey, you get your chance to prove what you can do. But the main thing is you feel like they've accepted me. They allow me to be a part of it now. You know, I'm in. You know, I'm I'm in. So, that feeling is good. The feeling of being picked last wasn't so great. But that's all right. It changes. It changes. But you rarely, if you were that last guy picked, got the ball, I mean, if you were playing football, they're not going to hand you the ball, they're not going to throw you the ball. They're going to tell you to go out for a pass, and the quarterback will never look at you. The other team knows he's not looking at you. The other team knows he's not going to throw it to you. And if you're playing basketball, it will never touch your hands unless they tell you to go over there and pick that ball and bring it back over here, you know. And, and then playing softball, you were always in right field. Okay. That, that's just the way it was, you know, growing up. Uh, but you were glad that you got to be a part. You kind of got to a point where you wished that you could choose sides. You know, man, I wish I could choose whose side I'm going to be on. But that never happened. You didn't get to choose whose side you're going to be on, but uh, as you got older and then you became the older guy, sometimes you might get to be the one that chooses sides. But really, getting to choose which side you're on rarely ever happened in neighborhood ball. Now, you knew the best athletes, and so you wanted to be on the side of the best athletes. You figured, that's the winning side. I mean, if I'm on that team, we're guaranteed to win. Boy, there's no way to lose. We are guaranteed to win. And so you get chosen one time on that side. You do win. And you go out bragging. Hey, we won, boy. We put it on those guys. Man, you should have saw what we did. And the word is we. He's making himself a part of what we did. You know, I think of the fish fry yesterday, well, you know, we were all involved, but I see what God did, you know. But uh, we say we because we were playing, and as if we were one of the ones that we won because we were the ones playing. But I learned that there was always one smart aleck, when you said that, would point out uh, you wouldn't have won if you didn't have so-and-so on your team. Okay, it all of a sudden went from we to you. You wouldn't have won, okay, if you didn't have so-and-so on your team. You just wouldn't win it at all. But, you know, in the game of life, you do choose your side. You do choose the side that you're going to be on. And, And, look, it's up to you to choose that side. If you choose to be on the Lord's side, I can tell tell you this, it's a guaranteed win. It's a guaranteed win. If you're going to be on the Lord's side, but now that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean there's no problems. There's a lot of problems. But it is a guaranteed win because it always, the win does not come until the end of the game. Okay, so in the light, the hard time, and there are hard times. I mean, you might be playing baseball and somebody hits a line drive, and it hits you right on the head. Uh, You're playing basketball, and somebody dunks the ball, and you think that they're dunking you with it. You play football, and they think you're the tackling dummy. I mean, they just really take it out, you know, and, and you get, that's part of it. But you're there to win, and you're there to play. But when you're on the Lord Jesus Christ side, you're on the winning side. So, Jesus Christ, that's the best side. It is up to you to assume the personal responsibility of saying, All for Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. All in all, Jesus is my all in all. That's the decision you have to make. As a saved person, you need to make that decision. You're not going to ask yourself, what is relevant to the world? You know, do yourself a favor sometime when you go home and, and, and read Genesis chapter 6 about Noah. The world is so wicked. It's so evil. You know, we look at our world today We say, well, it's a wicked, evil world. Back then, it was so wicked and evil, God says, I'm going to destroy it. Okay, I'll give it 120 years and give him a preacher, but that's it. We read, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's, that's, that's one of the great things, but what I found was also great in that chapter is that Noah feared God and he walked with God. Now you say, well, why is that important? Because that whole world is wicked. A lot of those people knew God. I mean, Noah's daddy was born. When Adam was still alive. Think of that. His daddy was born when Noah, uh, Noah's daddy was born when Adam was still alive. They knew about all those things. They knew all those stories. That was passed down to them. But there was a new contemporary age that was coming on saying, this is much better for today. This is what we want to do. Noah feared God, and to the world he stood out like a sore thumb. In heaven, he shined as a thro- trophy. And so, that's what you have going forward. Now, Jesus said, uh, for us, when he was on the cross, Father, forgive them, all those that were crucifying, But my sin would come under that as well. And so, if you're going to take a stand for Jesus Christ, yes, it's going to be tough. There is those things that the devil's going to do to try to take you off the line. But just remember this. Jesus, when he was on the cross, said he despised the shame. It's a cruel cross. And yet, we read that he endured it. Now, he could have come down any moment. But he endured it for the joy of that was set before him. In his humanity, on the cross, Jesus is showing us the, half, the faith that each of us should have in our humanity, in that we take God at his word, and Jesus knew that his shed blood, being shed for mankind, would save multitudes of souls, give them eternal life, and he endured the cross because of the joy that he could see throughout all eternity. Think of the joy of serving Jesus. Think of the joy in eternity that that will bring. John 1.12 says that you can choose the side that you want to be on. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. You see, you choose to believe on His name, to receive Him as your God, to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, to receive Him as your all-in-all. But understand, if you're going to play the game of life on Jesus' side, you're going to play the game His way. And He gives us in His Word how to play I was watching a basketball game one time. I was at the basketball game watching. And this guy stole the ball just about half court, or really on the other side of half court. He had a guy, his own team member, standing down there by himself, nobody around him, everybody else is behind him. He can throw him the ball very easily, and he can just lay it right in. Instead, he just dribbled all the way down, and he didn't make a layup. The ball went through the basket. The other teams, the coach on his team, though, got up and called a timeout. And that guy was on the bench for a while. He wasn't a team player. See, he was looking for glory for himself instead of the Lord, instead of the team, you might say. Now, I'm saying that to say people want glory, but they want it for themselves. Not for Jesus. If you're going to be on God's team, you must play the game God's way. And in the game of life, you'll find all the instructions, you'll find the game plan, you'll find everything in the Word of God. Yours is to do God's will, God's way, and God's timing. However God lays it out, it's the way we're to do it. Now, isn't sports as in sports, they will have signs. You ever watch them on baseball? I mean, you'll see a third base coach, first base coach, he's doing this. And you're saying, that guy's got an itch that won't quit, you know. And, and, and you're looking at it, and he's doing all these things. But everything that he does means something. It's going to direct the batter, or the base runner, or whatever it may be, what to do. There is instruction in God's word to lead us every step of this life. We just must do it. God's will, God's way, but know the word. So, you know what, that he would have you to do and trust it, have faith in it. You can trust the word of God. Now, if a base coach tells a batter to bunt and he begins to get ready up there and, and then there's a. 100 mile an hour baseball being thrown at his head. He's going to hit the dirt. Not try to bunt the ball as it's coming at his head. Okay. But the Bible is the same way. It tells us what to avoid. What to avoid. What to do. And so again. Everything must be done God's way. Why? Why? Because when you play the season of life, at the end of the season, there are trophies that are given out. Now, knowing it's His team, victory begins then by believing that the return of Jesus Christ could be at any time. You know, that's really more important for the saved than the unsaved. Now the unsaved, it's important for them because they're going to be left behind. And if they've heard the way of salvation, they're they're without hope. But for those that are saved, they're caught up. They're at the judgment seat of Christ. That's for only saved people. It's not going to decide whether they go to heaven or to hell. Everyone that's saved is going to heaven is going to stay. I mean, that's our eternal home. But there are rewards that are going to be given. And so, uh, you go to heaven, You're caught up to be with the Lord. Believe that that could be at any moment. We even see blessing in the New Testament for those that look for His appearing. You realize even in Paul's day they were looking for His appearing, the appearing of Christ. Now, but just like a ball season, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, at the end of the season they always have a banquet it seems like. And there are trophies that are awarded. Think of suddenly being caught, caught up to be with the Lord, and there's that marriage feast of the Lamb. And you're there! As a matter of fact, we're told at that judgment seat, that banquet, that rewarding time. As a matter of fact, Judgment seat is from the Greek word bima, bima seat, which meant a rewarding stand. That's where rewards are either one given for the life, or there's a loss of reward. Revelation chapter 14, verses 10 and 11 talks about laying our crowns at His feet. You know, people say, man, the Lord gives you a crown? You know, it's like giving you this big trophy, and then you're just going to give back to Him? No. When you're laying that crown at His feet, that means that he's, you're going to rule and reign with Him, and there's a kingdom. There's something that He's given to you to do. And you're laying that at His feet to say, Lord, I'm dedicating it to You. It's dedicated to You, Lord, because You saved me. You brought me to this great, and wonderful place. Wow. So even then, we'll do it, and we'll do it happily. And you know, we've been looking uh, at Psalms 37, and so far I really haven't got into breaking it down, I, and I still have won't today. But what I'm looking at is this, we, we looked at uh, the beginning there, we said uh, uh, the fight is on. When you get saved, and if you dedicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, then the fight is on. The devil's going to fight you all the way. Let's imagine one of these guys out here, they're they're an athlete, they're a high school athlete, and they're getting ready to go to college or something like that, and uh, uh, they get out there and they say, okay, look, get in this game, man, we want you, you're a great athlete, all this, we want you to get out here and play for us, and the athlete all of a sudden is saying, well, you know, those guys might, on that football team, may hit me on the other side, I don't want to get hit. Well, you know, I could get injured. Uh, all these bad things could happen. I don't think that guy's going to get a scholarship anywhere. You see, it's about self. Instead of about Christ in our Christian life, we're worried about the attacks of the devil instead of pleasing Christ. And when you do that, you're always, always, always a loser as a Christian. Because at the judgment seat, we find out they're going to count the loss. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We looked at not only the firing line, but uh, the fight is on, but keep on the firing line. Don't quit. Don't let those bad experiences make you quit. Don't let those bad experiences make you stop. No, you keep on the firing line and and you keep on keeping on for the Lord Jesus Christ, regardless of what. Don't ever give up. Don't quit. Yes, there are things that happen, but don't, 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 don't quit. Most Christians don't realize the embarrassment as far as being embarrassed at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, the embarrassment there is far, far above any embarrassment that you could receive in front of this crowd today. I mean, you think of the worst thing that could happen to you in front of everybody in here today. It happens. Everybody's laughing at you. And your mind is, I'm not going back there again. I'm moving out of Ocala. Guess what? As a saved person, you're going to heaven, and the shame will be greater than that shame that you'd have for whatever it is, is that you'd imagine is the worst thing that could happen. Uh, you saw when we were shaking hands there, and I got called up to the choir, and I thought they were going to tell me quit singing with them uh, but um, but uh, they said they said your collar's up I didn't know if my collar was up and I said well what's the deal Elvis Presley did it for years you know but uh, I, I said no, no what's the deal you know but, but not really I, I just kind of laughed about it and 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 yet you know that was noticed well some people that is totally embarrassing to me it's fine To me, it's fun. You know, sometimes I've noticed that uh, I've watched players interviewed, boxers. I've watched uh, guys that had a one-on-one thing with uh, basketball or whatever. And it's fun to them. Even if they got beat, it's trying to figure it out and what to do. It was fun. The other guy's just down in the dumps because things went wrong. Things are going to happen in life. But in Christ, fret not because of evildoers. We're going to win. But we want you to have a trophy at the end, at that great feast. We want you when it's time to receive the reward, to be rewarded well before our Lord. I want you to think of this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, uh, where we're thinking of Jesus when he died for us and rose from the dead and what he did for us. Uh, We've got to realize that, hey, look, look. We need to be confident, and you can be confident, because you're following the Word, you're living by the Word, you're not compromising with the world, you're not compromising with fleshly Christianity. This all of a sudden feels like, that. if you're going to be relevant to this world, you've got to have rock and roll. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this, I, I was talking to somebody, I didn't even have it in my notes. Boy, i got a whole sermon yet to preach. But I'm going to tell you this before we try to close this up today. I went to Tennessee Temple College back in 1967, 68, 69. I was baptized there in about 56, I think it was, when I was six years old and uh, been 55. When I was six years old, I got baptized there. Uh, Lee Robertson. I mean, boy, I mean, that's a great thing. But in the back, on in their foyer in the back, they had this big map of the United States. I think it was, must have been placed on, on some kind of styrofoam because you saw red flags all over that map of the states and about every country in the world had all these red flags. And those red flags stood for Tennessee Temple graduates that had gone there and were preaching, holding church and all that, and missionaries they had around the world. Boy, I mean, you look. At, that was really impressive. To see all those red flags, and just try to say, "I wonder if somebody's over." You, you look to see if there's a place that you knew about, or something like that. Is there? Well, after Dr. Robertson died, and they came in with the contemporary people and all that, and once they got full control, complete power, you know what happened? That thing's not only not there anymore. They took all the records of all of us guys that got baptized there. If I would have called there today and said, I, could you send a record of my baptism? They couldn't do it. They took it all and burned all their old records. What they didn't know is there's a record in heaven. They can't get that one. But you know what? That, that board's not up there any longer. Why? Because when we turn to the way of the world, you eliminate missions. You wonder why we don't use the music of the world in here? You know why we still stay with King James? I still think souls need to be saved in America and around the world. So that's why we do it. And so folks, you've got to choose beyond the uh, winning side, if you want to be on the winning side, be on the side of Christ as a Christian decide to be on his side and, and go with the word of God. Stay true to the word. Don't worry about what the world's saying. Look, that happened back throughout the Old Testament. Every time that the religious world went to the right, left side and, and, and that's left, isn't it? Yeah, left side. When they went away from the truth, when they went through the fundamental of the Word of God, what happened? People died, they lost their nation, they went into captivity. Just so that their religion could be re- relevant to the world. We're not going to try, at least by God's grace, I'll do my best to prevent this church from ever being relevant to the world. I want this world to be relevant to Christ. To his word. Because the world doesn't need to see us as they are. They need to want to be what we are. Why do I want to be what they are? They're going to hell. I want them to, on their way to heaven. I want them to know Jesus Christ as their savior. And so, understand. We've got to walk with him. When I... Think again of 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 28. He says, and now little children, abide in him. You know that word abide? It means to be at home, where you stay, your home. In your daily walk, just think, I'm walking with Jesus Christ, I'm in his house. You see, your body's a temple of God if you're saved. So abide in Him. Your body belongs to Him. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So I'm going to say this, I'm going to sum up right here. Is Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ your abode? I mean, some are thinking about Let's just say their golf game. Something with their hobbies. Something with their family. Something without all the other things. But Jesus Christ gets on. Okay, that's the Sunday thing. Are you in the will of God? I mean, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God already has a will for you. Get to heaven as a saved person and you didn't even know that you were called into some kind of a field. You didn't know that what you were called to do because you didn't seek it. You weren't walking with God. You weren't at home with God because you were more at home in the world. And that's a loss of a trophy. And the Bible says we will count the loss. As a matter of fact, one of the parables God gave of the man that gained ten cities, you know, remember that? The talents? One to ten. And the one that kept the one that buried it, took it out and says, well, there's the one I was going to give him, take from him that hath the one, give to him ten. And of course, the ones on the side are saying, oh, that's terrible. The guy's already got ten. Yeah, but God could trust him with those ten. God could trust him. What can God trust you with? Can he trust you with even one thing to be faithful? So that's why, when we have the invitation in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you. If you're saved and you're a member of this church, why don't you ask God what He'd have you to do for faith-promised missions and tell Him whatever He lays on your heart that you'll do it. And let me tell you, you might do some of the things I did. I've, uh, listen. I thought that several times. One here, we was looking at something, and I I said, we can't do that. And so I told the wife what we were going to give. She said, you can do better than that. Since she cooks, I decided I was going to do that. Not really, but she was right. The Lord used that to convince me that, yeah, I need to do what the Lord actually laid on my heart to do. What I'm saying is, is that trust God trust God. But on the other hand, all the stuff I've said so far means absolutely 100% nothing if you're not saved. Can you give me a Bible reason why you know that if you die today that heaven's your home? I'm not asking you, well, I'm doing the best I can. No, I'm not asking you, are you doing that? Well, I've been baptized. No, I didn't ask that. Oh, I said this prayer one time. I didn't ask that. You say, well, I don't think God would Listen, God has no counselors. God has nobody telling him what to do. He is the Lord. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He said that God commandeth, not commendeth, commandeth, all men everywhere to repent because he has upon the day in which he will judge the world. If you're wrestling with doubt right now, you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home. Then my friend, I want you to come down this aisle today, meet me here at the front. And let me direct you to someone that is trained in the Word of God that can open the Bible and show you how you can walk out of here knowing that if you die today that heaven's your home. Now, again, it's your choice. You can say, no, I don't want to do that. Okay. Your choice is hell. If you die without Christ, you've chosen hell. See, you've got a free will. You're made in God's image just like I am. All of us are. God is a spirit, the Bible says, so in our spirit we have a right to make a free a choice. You either say yes or no. It's a free will. What is your will? Is your will to say, no I don't want that stuff to do with God? Okay. Uh, forever and ever in a lake of fire where you can't cease to exist is not very brilliant. And when you stand before that throne that you stand before it's not the judgment seat of Christ, it's called the white throne. When you stand before that throne that means you're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire. Now, are you 100% sure if you die today that heaven's your home? I'm just telling you right now, we're going to give you the opportunity to make sure. Let's bow our heads, please.